What does it mean to have a thriving career? And how do sales skills tie into that? Join me on this week's Fanny Dunnigan Show as I welcome Jay Mamie, entrepreneur and author and radio show host, as we discuss the theme of how I create a thriving career. Welcome. Welcome everyone. Welcome to my live show coming at you from Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. My name is Fanny Dunnigan. And every Thursday at four central, I come to you introducing amazing speakers and industry experts, content creators, all people that lead with their heart and are so giving of their advice and insights. So thank you for joining me this week. We have an amazing guest, but in the meantime, more importantly, let's see who has tuned in so I can welcome you all. Thank you for tuning in everyone. I think I saw Rashida in there earlier from Atlanta, Georgia. Hello, Rashida, good to see you here. And Jennifer, Brooklyn, New York. All right, love it, love it. And then Amy, I saw in there also from New York. Welcome, thank you for joining us and thank you for tuning in. Um, this week, we are going to talk all about what it takes to thrive. And I'm very excited to talk about that. In the meantime, I do want you all to make sure you network in the comments. Use this opportunity to meet other people in the comments. Please introduce yourself. Tell people what you do in the comments and share with people connect with people. You never know who you'll meet. You'll never know who will become a great connection and potential client, potential collaborator, partner, friend, whatever that may be. Definitely reach out, introduce yourself, and connect with others in the comments. My challenge to you is to connect with at least three new people today in the comments and see where that takes you. You never know, your net worth is equivalent to your net work. 
And then one thing I want to add, I want you all to make sure you connect with my community manager who is in the comments helping me with everything. Ann Small, the community manager of this live show. Ann, welcome. Hey there. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And you're going to see her all up in the comments. So make sure you connect with her. And uh, she'll also help me catch any questions that I might have missed. So make sure you interact with her and connect with her. Thank you, Anne. Thanks. Okay. So as I do every week, I have a content tip of the week for you. And this week, I want to talk about how to address the pain. When you create content, the most critical and important thing you can do is address the pain points of your clients, your audience, your potential um, team members, whoever it is that you are speaking to address their pain point. Too often, I see people post about their accomplishments and awards and achievements and skills and experience. And that's all great. You could put that on your LinkedIn profile or uh, your resume, your CV, whatever. But when you're creating content, whether it's an image or PDF posts or video, what's really more important is how much value you want to serve to your audience. And the most value you can ever serve is to address their pain point. So you can always start off with your posts of, you know, um, are you struggling with this? And then offer your advice and solutions to that. Or are you making mistakes around this? Whatever that topic is and your expertise is. And then you offer advice and tips around that. Okay. So whenever you start with your client or your audience's pain point, you're gonna get their attention. And then from there, you can offer your advice and tips. So from that point of view, you're presenting them with a problem and pain point that they have. And then you as the expert and the person providing the coaching and consulting will then give them the advice and tips from there. And that's a great way to kick off your content creation. Okay, so address your client's pain points. And that's my content tip of the week. Okay, and then our next section is my shine your light quote of the week. As you know, I'm all around making sure people find their voice and share their messages. And this week I found a great quote from one of my favorite authors and research professors, Brene Brown. For those authenticity and vulnerability enthusiasts out there, I'm sure you've read a lot of her books. But this week, the quote is from her, Brene Brown, and it's all around connection. Connection is that energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. So, so much of what we do on LinkedIn is around connecting with people. So make sure you provide value, ensure that people are seen and heard, and it's gonna only deepen the relationship with your audience, with your community, and with people that you connect with. So that's my quote of the week. Okay. Let's get started. And uh, we're, we're going to talk all around a thriving career. Okay. Um, how I create a thriving career. And the person to talk about it this week is Mr. Jay Mamie. So I'm going to bring him on. Please join me in welcoming Jay Mamie to the show. Jay, welcome. Yay. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor to be here. And I'm hoping that I bring some value to your listeners and to your viewers. Absolutely. Jay, I want to read your bio because it is very <laughs> impressive. And I, I was impressed when I first talked to you. Um, mm -hmm. I love this, this paragraph you wrote. So I'm going to read it to everyone. It says, there's an advantage to growing up in a humble setting with meager means. The reality of your circumstances can either pummel you into mediocrity 
or extract from you a burning desire to excel and rise above. My story is one of the latter. For the last three decades, my hunger to rise above has yielded an impressive array of accomplishments. Yes, you have. From multiple successful businesses to bodybuilding championships, to radio, to TV, stage, and print of nine books. And, um, and from an entire sales and personal development series to speaking in front of many diverse audiences. All have uniquely qualified him to offer valuable knowledge, instruction, and inspiration to help others develop themselves. Wow. <laughs> what a career you've had, Jay. You know, it's amazing as I'm listening to you read that, um, when you get caught up in the, in the busyness of, of life and, and pursuit of ambitions, you really forget the journey, you forget the, uh, your own personal bio, right? And uh, so I haven't heard that uh, read uh, in, since I think it was written. So it was nice to hear it, but boy, I'm thinking I lived a busy life. <laughs> That's a lot. And I'm only 25. a lot of boxes. Yeah, and I'm only 25. That's amazing for someone yes. to do so much when you're only 25. <laughs> Done. You can rest now. Yeah, right. I got the next 100 years to go. <laughs> yeah. and, and even like I was just reading some of the topics that you talk about, right? Um, from understanding body language to facing inner struggles, to standing out in a crowd, to the art of persuasion, overcoming adversity. I mean, I think a lot of that, and, and when I was reading all that, I, that actually tied in to the content tip of the week that I was thinking of, because I almost feel like so much of that probably came from pain, right? Or a struggle or, or something you had to overcome, right? Well, there's no question about it. I mean, everything that I that I write about and the the, uh, the books or the talk shows or whatever it is is from personal experience. Uh, so everything that I do comes from a place of authenticity, of genuineness. Uh, there is very little, if nothing, in terms of hype or Pollyanna and, and any of my talks. I think that um, I've been given the opportunity to be the crash test dummy so I can help others survive. <laughs> So I'm the poster child for what can go wrong. Let's say, oh yeah, let's let's have Jay go through that and let him let him write about it afterwards. I love it. I love it. Well, from pain to progress, right? I've That's heard right. that before. That's right. That's right. But, um, why don't you give us a, a kind of like a quick summary of your career and and how you ended up where you are now? Well, you know, I, I tell you, first of all, I noticed early on you had a lot of folks here from uh, New York and uh, whoop, whoop, right. I'm from New York, too. I just got here, just arrived here in Texas about two years ago. So although it's not just arrived here, it's, it's still fairly new to me, considering I lived 48 years of my life uh, in New York. So um, my New Yorkers, Brooklyn, very, very cool to have you guys here on the uh, on, on the show today. Uh, Oh, we froze a little bit. <laughs> the screen. Well, this is the live show. So things like this happen. Um, well, let's keep on going. And um, let's, I wonder if you can refresh, Jay. Anne, are you able to hear Jay? Okay. They have a whole lot to, to oh. work with. Okay. Uh, Pause, Jay. Pause. What happened? What happened? You, you froze. So we missed oh. like that whole intro. <laughs> oh, good. Well, it gave me a chance to go do my hair again. So it's fine. We'll, <laughs> we'll blame it on technology. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so if so you don't mind you... rewinding sure, and just sure. answer that again. Thank you. Okay, great. I just gave out the winning lottery numbers too. Darn. <laughs> so where did I leave off? Where? Uh, New York. Off? You were so, yes, I, in New York. I was talking about New York. So I grew up in Spanish Harlem and uh, in a barrio, a place called a barrio. And the interesting part about my uh, that was, you know, a barrio is, a, is an area where it's uh, economically very, very challenged. And uh, at the time that we were uh, grew, grew up in that particular area, it was a early 70s, late 70s, early 80s. So there was a lot of a lot of challenges with gangs and things like that. And considering that I was adopted, me and my brother, I have a twin brother named Joe Maney. 
and we're, uh, we both were adopted at only a few days after birth. My parents who adopted us had just arrived here from Puerto Rico. They didn't have a lot of education, didn't have a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, things other than just a desire to have a great life in New York. And my father worked uh, three jobs. My mother worked in the factory. When we were adopted by my mom, she had to stop working in the factory to take care of us. My father had to pick up a fourth job, a part-time job working in the dry cleaners. Now, if you ever want to find a job that'll that'll uh, drive you crazy or a job that you will do um, only out of necessity, go work in the dry cleaners in the, in the hazy, hot, humid days of the summer in New York, pressing clothes with no air conditioning back in the 70s. Uh, but he did what he had to do. So as a result of growing up with that, like in the bio says meager means, uh, you know, we don't have the luxury. We didn't have the luxuries of buying all the nice things that some of the kids had. So by the time we were 13 years old, I knew that if I wanted to have the brand new pair of sneakers, if I wanted to buy the Jordache jeans <laughs> or the Pumas or the Nikes, uh, you know, I'd have to go out and figure out a way to make some money. And uh, so that I think was a, I look back now and, and, and it was a blessing for me because it, what it did was it turned on the light switch of an entrepreneurial spirit that was always in there, that the, the realities of, of my, my environment brought that out. It, it had to come out in order for me to have wanted the nice things. So across the street from where we live or just up the block from where we lived was Central Park. So Central Park, you can always go on Saturday and Sundays. And after the guys finish drinking, playing softball, <laughs> you could find the bottles and the cans on the ground. So back then you could trade a, a can and a bottle of, uh, of whatever for a nickel. So over the weekends, we would go and pick up the bottles and cans and trade them in for a nickel. And at that point, I realized a few things that kind of started this whole journey of discovery um, that sometimes when people see poop, others will see profit. <laughs> Some, those bottles and cans on, th those were nickels on the ground. People were walking by nickels. Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's re repeat that. Poop to profit. There yeah, you go. There's right. Jay's soundbite right there. That's my soundbite, right? That's my profit. I mean, think about it. Right. Why is it that some people can walk by what they perceive as poop and others see it as profit? Some people see it as a problem. Other people see it as an opportunity. Right. It's on the way that you think. So I was able to trade in enough cans and nickels and uh, bottles and for nickels in order to buy the nice things that we wanted to buy. And But it taught me a lesson that if I wanted to have nice things, if I wanted to do something special that Ultimately, it was my responsibility to provide those things for myself. And it was very, it was wrong to impose that kind of, uh, those needs and wants on my parents who already were struggling. Uh, but that flourished with going on to develop other careers, other early businesses early on and becoming very self, uh, uh, very independent in terms of uh, ways to generate income. And that for me is really what carried me through from 13 years old up until today, I'm always looking for something new to do, something exciting. And I think that's, I, I really look back and it was that experience in Spanish Harlem growing up, looking to buy my own pair of sneakers that caused me to, to figure out a way to make things happen and still doing that today. And how do you go from, you, you had a career in acting, bodybuilding, um, the stage TV, to like writing books and being a sales coach like how did you make that arc or that transition how do you how did you even know to make that transition you know it's interesting your calling will always lead you to where you need to be mm. if you're sensitive your calling will always allow you to be found where you ought to be right so I look back at my life now and something I realized a few years ago as I kind of pulled back the curtains of my history and I said, hey, I know I know who I was supposed to be from the get go. I didn't know it back then. But now as I look at my history, I say to myself, yeah, this is who I was supposed to be because I was gifted, talented, wired uh, to be this person. It was in my DNA. That was my calling. So going from writing uh, early on, acting, it's a form of entertainment yes but it really was a form of being able to help other people feel better about what they do and who they are and their place i remember when i used to act it gave me an opportunity to help somebody lose themselves for the moment while they were in that production watching what i was doing watching what everyone else was doing 
The book writing is another extension of that. Uh, the only thing I could say that really not extension of that was my bodybuilding career, but that was just something that I just enjoyed doing because of the challenges. But everything I've done from writing books to Broadway to Hollywood um, to my, my financial business, my coaching business, the radio show really is an extension of the person that I now know who I am is that I am at the very core. I'm a helper. Mm -hmm. I, I help people in many different ways. And the more expressions I could find to be able to fulfill my calling, that's what I easily pursue. Wow. I, I want to touch on something because it made me think of something like bodybuilding, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. So much discipline, because I've never been an exercise person. <laughs> so, <talk laughs> We're going to work on that. Point. <laughs> um, like, We're going to work on that. <laughs> there's, there's so much discipline in that right like from food to exercise to, mm. to all that like like where do you where do you find within yourself that that discipline and that like rigor well it's funny you mentioned about dieting and, and discipline I was having a conversation with a guy today at the gym in fact and he was asking me for a little bit of help and tips on dieting and and, to, and, and losing weight and I said to him, and, and he gave me his diet, and it's not so bad. I said, listen, brother, try having dry rice cakes and no salt tuna. <laughs> dry rice cakes and no salt tuna. No salt in the tuna. I didn't even know if you makes no salt tuna. I need to drink some water because <laughs> just even thinking about that like dries my mouth. <laughs> and I did that for many, many months in order to get into the physical condition, cut body fat down, water retention level in order to be able to compete on stage and look as best you could. Um, so that was very, very difficult. The working out was very difficult. But what it boils down to is how much do you value you? Right? And what are you willing to do to feel good about the person you become? You know, life comes with a price. Achievement comes with a price. Let's repeat that one. How, do you, how much do you value you? Okay, for all of you in the audience, how much do you value you? Let, let me give you an example that, based on that, that has nothing to do with bodybuilding, yeah. nothing to do with, with, with fitness at all. If a person says, I'm sick and tired of the job that I'm at, I hate the people I work with, I hate the pay, I hate the environment, I hate the drive, but yet they do it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years of their lives. Well, if you value you and you value your existence far more than the one you're living in right now, then you're going to do whatever it takes to change. You're going to do whatever it takes to get out of that situation into a better one. Whatever you've got to do to become the next best version of you, you just do because you realize I'm worth it. I got one shot here and that's it. And that's what drives and motivates, hopefully, the person to do those things that for others may be uncomfortable. So when I got on that stage and I competed and I got done and I won some championships in bodybuilding, it was another notch in my belt to say to myself, man, I'm glad I did it. I can do more things. I challenged myself. The next one's going to be a piece of cake. And I added more stock value, more value to me as the person because I was able to accomplish something else. It's almost like affirmation. Right. Confirmation Absolutely. that you you can do it. You've achieved it. And absolutely it fills you up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about this. When, when you go through challenges and hurdles and you you get on the other side, you become victorious. And, and, and it doesn't have to be anything that's harsh or negative, just something like competing or, or, or taking a brand new course, going back to college to become better at a skill or something. When you complete that. No one can take that away from you. No one can take the feeling that of achievement that you have now uh, fostered because you did something that many other people won't do. No one can ever take that away from you. And the next time something else comes around that is difficult, you've got the self-confidence to say, bring it. I got this. Mm. Yeah. Love that. So through all your different career changes and progressions, and I've heard you describe it as multiple lanes in an, in a highway, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do you have any advice, especially because I have a lot of folks that are in my audience that are corporate professionals and maybe even some folks going through career transition, right? You get to a point where you, you kind of say, ask yourself like, what is my purpose and, and how do I find it? Um, mm -hmm. What would your advice be around that? 
You know, that's a mystery. I think that's the greatest question <laughs> that you could ask somebody, right? Most people are, are in their 70s and 80s and some of them in their 90s, and they never really find their purpose. As I said earlier, they, they really are just wandering generalities. And sometimes they find it too soon, and, and that is tragic. But here's a formula that I've developed in a way that you can, a person can help get centered or at least get on the right track with regards to purpose. If you identify your gifts, your gifts will always, whatever, you're, whatever you have as a gift is always going to lead you to your purpose, your gifts. And here's what I mean by that. If you can sing, that's a gift. Well, there's a purpose for the gift, right? If you are good in accounting or mathematics and you don't have to work as hard like the other person who doesn't have it as a gift, that means you're supposed to do something with that gift. So it's not complicated when we start to figure this whole thing out. What are you good at? What have you been gifted with that it's there for the purpose, for the assignment? See, when you know your gifts, your assignment, your assignment becomes uh, obvious. Your gifts reveal your assignment. And your assignment points you in the direction of your purpose. And let me tell you what happens next. Once you know your gifts, your gifts reveal your assignment. Your assignment reveals your purpose. Now you develop a passion because I know what I'm supposed to do. Why do people live passionless lives? They've got no idea what they're doing. they got no idea what they're supposed to be doing. But boy, when you identify your gifts, you say, ah, my gift says a speaker, a writer, a motivator, uh, someone who gives those encouragement, inspiration, influence. Well, when I looked at, through my whole life, this history that I spoke about, it was right there before my eyes. Mm -hmm. My talents revealed my assignment and I knew what my purpose was to influence, inspire, impact, instruct others for their good and the good of the world. Now, guess what? I'm passionate about that. I'm not confused anymore. Yeah. So I can filter what comes into my life as something that, yep, I'm supposed to do that. That falls in line with my purpose, my passion and my gifts, or that's not for me. I'm not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. And I can put things to the side that I'm not, I have no business being in and focus on the things that I do have business getting involved in. I love it. Yeah. Gifts to telling you your assignment, to finding your purpose. And then you throw in some passion and that's the fire that lights it all up. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have complete clarity, complete clarity. And you can go about your business knowing that your time here on this uh, on Earth uh, had meaning and it was yes. validated. Yes. You did what you came to do. I want to call out real quick in the audience, Braden Daniels. He's actually going to be a, a guest later on in March. But um, Braden was just saying, Jay is giving us great advice on commitment right now. What are you committed to? And to Jay's other question about what do you think your talents and gifts are? So in the comments below, I'd love for you in the audience, tell us what you're committed to right now and what do you think your gifts are? I would love to see those comments and we're gonna highlight some of them and talk about some of them. So drop into the comments your gifts and your commitment. Thank you. Okay, so now, now that we kind of have that, right? So we have our assignment, our purpose, got passion, okay? This is something that ties into your brand, right? Of creating a thriving career, right? What does that mean to have a thriving career? And while you talk about that, Jay, I wanna pull up your website. So sure. but tell us to you, what does a thriving career mean? Well, listen, a thriving career has a lot to do with how you get up in the morning, meaning in terms of your attitude, in terms of the way you are going to uh, look at the rest of the day, not only in, in your career, but all other aspects of life. And here's what I mean by that. If you dread the day, you probably aren't thriving anywhere. <laughs> you probably aren't thriving at work, you're not thriving in your marriage, you're not thriving in your parenting, you're not thriving in your health, if you dread the day. If you dread that, man, tomorrow I gotta do, or Sunday, now, you know, Sunday, people get the this, this, and I had the same, the same feeling too, guys. When I had a job, you get this this funky feeling in the pit of your stomach, right? It's like, oh, God, it's Monday, man, right? Well, that's a good indication you probably aren't thriving. You're not excited. You're not joyful. You aren't doing things that uh, make you happy. You're doing things out of drudgery. That is not thriving at all. 
And you could take that and apply it to any area of your life, not just a career. But since we're speaking about a career, thriving career means that, you know, here's the key word, that there is progression. We are beings that are wired to have progression. In other words, in our DNA, in our psychological, in our psyche, in our wiring, in our programming, we are designed to always look at getting better, to moving forward, to doing something different, to becoming a better version. Well, the pursuit of that in a happy, joyful state is thriving. You're thriving because you are pursuing the life and the career that you have always wanted to pursue. And here's what's key. You know it. That's thriving. Thriving says, I'm not going to be satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not going to get comfortable. I'm not going to get cozy. I'm going to go to the next challenge so I can become better. I'm here to experience this uh, this thing called life, and I'm going to continue moving forward and progressing. It's like that quote you have here, Jay. Your story is one of the greatest stories yet to be told. That's right. Oh, That's absolutely right. Love that. Hmm. Hey, that's a nice website there. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, I recognize that guy there. <laughs> For those of you out there, make sure you connect with Jay. You can find his website, um, the J the jmamie.com. <laughs> and uh, and then also probably on LinkedIn, right? For those of you that are tuning in on LinkedIn, make sure you look up jmamie um, and uh, connect with him, definitely. But th that's great advice, Jay. Thank you. Um, I think so much of, I, I still remember, I think Tony Robbins was saying, like, the goal in life is actually not to be happy. The goal is actually to continuously grow. And so your, your, you know, insights about growth really resonates. I, I think it is true because I've been happy many times, but I still want to read another book or pursue another challenge or go after something else. And yeah. So. Listen, at the end of the day, when you look back at um, over the course of a year, two or three years, and we all do that, it's, it's called reflection. Yeah. When we reflect, what brings us the most joy? Not having made more money, because you could win the lotto and be happy because you've got a bank full of cash, but you're not happy because you progressed in anything. Yes. Or you could look back the last 12 months when you take that time to reflect, or it could be from week to week. And you could feel like, man, I'm actually doing something with my life here. That's thriving. Oh, look at these people. They're coming back with their, their answers here. Our community manager herself, Ann Small, my number one talent would be talking and building relationships on and offline. No kidding. Right. <laughs> and that's why you're a community mm -hmm. manager. You get mm -hmm. hired for that. Mm -hmm. I love it. Absolutely. Jennifer from New York. Um, she's passionate about using her gifts as a financial coach to help entrepreneurs understand their numbers. Oh, very valuable. Very valuable. Because too often, right, Jay, wouldn't you say, like, we as entrepreneurs were successful in our own life and our own strengths, but we still need to hire people to do our accounting, to do our marketing, to do, you know, whatever it is that, that other people thrive in. Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And then Brayden, shout out to Brayden, helping others harness the power of the magician archetype to transform their leadership. Very cool. Nice. Bernard, uh, I believe I have an empathetic approach in my aspects of my life. It is the basis on how I gauge a business model. Interesting, empathetic approach to business models. There you go. It, and that's kind of what it is, isn't it, Jay? It's like finding these little unique points and then bringing it all together. It absolutely is. I mean, listen, no one came into this place, this dimension, earth, whatever you want to call it, empty-handed. Think about this. I came into earth already in my DNA, I was not going to have any hair. At some point I was losing <laughs> hair, <laughs> right? That DNA was going to dry up, shrivel up and go somewhere. Right. I, my DNA said I was going to have muscles. That's yes. my DNA. I, I didn't go before I was born and type in a program. This is how, that's what I came with. So if we already came predisposed, predisposed, pre, uh, pre-programmed uh, pre rather, yes. 
with the color of our hair, color of our eyes, muscularity, this, that, and the other. Why would we not all uh, come programmed as well with the gifts that we're supposed to excel at and utilize while we're here? The creator wouldn't just throw us in there and say, okay, you figure it out now. No, we came with the wiring already so to make the experience much more meaningful. The problem is most people never take the time to really understand that. So they do wander through life and tragically never achieve the things they want to achieve. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to Steve Helms in the audience. His gifts, exhortation, encourager, and his talent is communication. And that is for sure. He uses his gifts to do the technology prayer breakfast every year. Um, so shout out to you, Steve, one of my tech enthusiasts. Anyone that is in technology, make sure you connect with Steve Helms. He is very, very well connected in the community. So thank you, Steve. Now, one of your talents and superpowers, I would say, Jay, is your sales skills, right? You've picked up, you well, actually, it's very unique. You've picked up behavioral science, psychology and sales and you found a way to like merge all of those together um how important is sales in in our career well i, I think if if you are lacking in the very important uh skill development of effective communication where the communication and you have another person gives you an advantage where you have a greater probability to to have compliance, in other words, they say yes, or they are, they're able to see your point of view, that is that skill development, whether it's in a business format and in a selling profession is, is critical. You can't survive without that. But that skill set is important in relationships. It's important in, in any kind of uh, organizational dynamics where you're a leader, whether it's ministry, whether it's parenting, whether it's a, a, a coach in a, on, a, on a sports uh, team, the ability to have someone understand your point of view in a way that it is beneficial to them and compliance increases based on the words that you use is critical. That is really the true meaning of effective communication, which ultimately leads to effective selling, is being able to communicate something where there is confidence and competence and the ability to communicate the content where that person themselves realizes, you know what, they're right. There's a lot of psychology in there. There's a lot of uh, mastery in there. Uh, and unfortunately, the truth is, Fanny, most professionals in sales are, are what I call novices. Mm. You got to be a ninja. <laughs> so I teach people how to go from novice to ninja. And what matters most is in the ability to communicate your message. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, uh, folks that I've seen, and I, I, I do see this often, because they are lackluster, lackluster in, that, uh, in that skill development, they actually hurt themselves a lot more than they help themselves. And that's tragic. Yeah. I mean, sales, I, I mean, we, we grow up with this like stereotype, right? And, it, and sales gets a negative connotation of like the slimy salesman or like the, the aggressive car salesman and so forth, right? But you weave in psychology to that, right? Like what, what does psychology have to do with sales? It's everything. It's everything. And again, that's one of the areas where I'm so thankful. You mentioned earlier my academic um, uh, credentials. I was learning the stuff that I learned in school, psychology, behavioral science, um, consumer sciences. I learned all that when I was in college, but five years, six years prior to that, I was learning that when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, doing taxes for people when I was 16 years old, personal training people when I was 17 and 18 years old. I learned the dynamics of effective communication long before I read it in the book. So by the time I got to read it in the book and learned it academically and learned how psychology works, how the brain works and how you have what I call there's, there's triggers um, psychological triggers that allows a person to feel comfortable and safe and certain and stable around you, which is key when they say yes. I was learning that stuff in the trenches already long before I got to college. So being able to add on the academic side of it really just made it really, really uh, synergistically work well for me. 
And then again, I just continued to apply it thereafter in, in multiple different capacities in, in sales. And But there really is an art to the psychology of selling, which involves body language, persuasion techniques, really cool stuff. So actually, so the, for those of you in the audience, let us know any sales questions that you have for Jay. So drop that in the comments below so we can bring that up here and ask Jay directly. You are going to get answers from the master here. Okay. So I, I have a question for you around sales. When you, you mentioned like there are triggers, what, what do you mean by that? What's, what would be a trigger? Sure. Understand this 95% of the decisions that people make happen at the subconscious level. Let me repeat that 95% of the decisions that a person makes, the initial decision happens at the subconscious level. 5% is conscious. Now here's what happens. A little bit later on, the consciousness takes over that fact finding, that um, the part of the brain that really does a lot of the, the thinking part, the rational, rationalizing part comes in and starts to analyze the, the decision you made. That's why people get all they get involved. They they fall in love and they meet this hot lady or hot guy or whatever it is, and they go on dates. And then all of a sudden, they, when they, after a while, after their subconscious mind already had its way with you, cognitively you're thinking about this decision you made. You look at yourself like, why did I do this? <laughs> Me and this person have nothing in common because now you're rationalizing it. But initially, there was no rationalization. Cognitively, the conscious mind was nowhere in sight. It was your subconscious mind that made the decision. So if you understand that the subconscious mind has primary leeway in decision-making, most people talk to the conscious mind, not the subconscious mind, in the way that they communicate. So let me give an example. Let's say that one more time. Most people, <laughs> say most, that one more time. So most people, they think they're communicating, but they're not communicating because they're having a conversation with the conscious mind, mm. they're having a conversation with the subconscious mind, when you make a decision on something, not I mean like what, what you're going to have to eat for dinner or saying, I don't know talking about that, right? When you, when a person makes a decision, the subconscious mind dips back into its memory bank and says, we're talking in macroseconds, says, what happened the last time we did that? And it's going to generate a feeling of something. And that feeling gets transfer, immediately transformed into an emotion and emotion oftentimes leads to thoughts and thoughts leads to rationalizing a decision. And then you go before you know it, you're, you're giving your answer. You're getting caught up with the decision, whether yes, no, me. it comes from deep within. So if you know that, you can have and utilize what's called trigger words, trigger words that trigger the emotional, the, that memory bank in the subconscious mind. Interesting. What's a trigger word? Anything that has to do with the word safe. Now, there's somebody that one of your comment uh, comments there came from someone who's in financial, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Jennifer. So yes. I do a lot the of coaching. Coach. The financial coach. Right. So I do a lot of coaching uh, because my background is financial. I have my own financial company. I do a lot of coaching in the world of financial services, insurance, financial services, investments, so on and so forth. Um, also car dealerships, real estate. The number one thing a person wants to feel at the subconscious level, and this, this goes back to when we were uh, just uh, very underdeveloped individuals. All we had was a small brain in the back, the, the back of the brain because of the reptilian brain. The only thing we were concerned with was safety and what are we going to eat and who we're going to have, uh, who we're going to have sex with. And is that person or is that, or is that thing there is going to harm me? That's all we were concerned about when we were at the early primitive levels of our cognitive development. That's all. So safety and the pursuit of keeping the host safe has always been, will always be the primary concern and the subconscious mind because it's never gone away. The reptilian brain is still back there operating. So a trigger word or a trigger emotion that you want to have your person feel when you're communicating something to them is that there is a measure of safety here. If you can use words like uh, even a straight up word like safe or give them words that elicit the feeling of feeling safe, feeling secure, feeling stable, feeling certain, eliminate the mystery, eliminate the potential for harm. And there's all sorts of words that you can use that to trigger that emotion. That person is going to lean towards whatever you're proposing because you are tapping that subconscious sense of I want to feel safe. Why do you think cars 
and if you pay attention to car commercials, they don't talk about how fast they go. They don't talk about fuel mileage. The first thing they talk about is how safe the car is. Because ultimately they understand what I just shared with you, that when you start to trigger, when you pull on those emotional uh, uh, trigger words and safety is a big one, you're going to have someone's attention and more than likely they're going to go with you because you are automatically at the subconscious level talking their language. I know I said a lot. No. Wow. That's, I've never heard it put together like that. And, but yet as soon as you say it, I, I feel it. Right. I have an mm -hmm. emotional response to it. Right. Cause like you said, sure. and, and one of my talks is, is all around like how, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, psychology, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like mm -hmm. our, after we get our air, food, water, shelter, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Our next level is we want to feel safe and secure, right? So in a way that ties so closely to what, what you're saying, or that's exactly what you're saying, right? Absolutely. We have a question from the audience here. Um, Braden says, how do you make sales in this time of virtual networking? How would you reply to that, Jay? Well, you know what? There's certain sales you can get away with doing virtually. Um, if people can see you, there's certain sales you can't because it requires you to be there for a tangible purpose. Um, so it all depends on what exactly you're selling. But understand this. It doesn't change the dynamic of what comes out of your mouth. Right. Doesn't doesn't change the dynamics of, of the right words, the right. Uh, uh, some of the other techniques that I have here to that we can speak about as well. It doesn't change that at all. Ultimately, if your product is a strong product and a good service and if you believe in it and that that. You can exude that to a degree virtually, which is not easy to do. But if you can do that and you understand how to stack the odds in your favor by using the words in psychology and subliminal uh, selling, you can have success virtually. I've had success this past year virtually, yeah. but obviously there's nothing like a face to face meeting that that's never going to be uh, or video. Second or, or best. video. Right. It's the second <laughs> best. Right. Video is the second best. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. But. Would I rather have someone, would I rather have a, a possible transaction that can lead to a sale done virtually as opposed to in person? Now, obviously in person all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, we have another great question here from Amy. Amy says, how do you sell without being salesy? And where does the, this idea of salesy come from anyways? Like well, look, you, you find people that have no business being in sales. Mm -hmm. That's the fact, right? Just like you have some people that have no business being an acting, no business being a, a, a singer, but they think they can do it. And it's fine. It's, you're, listen, it's a free country and it's a free uh, opportunity. It's, uh, it's available to anyone and certainly you can try. But the reality is when you are a salesperson and you are a round ball trying to fit yourself into a square hole, you're going to not only do the say the wrong things, do the wrong things, yeah. hurt the people, get a bad name for yourself, give a bad name to the industry, give a bad name to the profession. And uh, sadly, bad news travels faster than good news. Yes. And negative reviews seem to always trump the positive reviews. So when you compound that over years and years and decades and decades of people having a bad experience with those that – uh, maybe took advantage of the fact that they were selling the wrong thing or they did come across too salesmany. Um, it paints a, a, a negative uh, uh, image on all of us. Yeah. But the way you can personally overcome being salesy is in your approach where you appear to the person and hopefully you are at the core, genuine, authentic, really interested in them and not sort of coming to the table salivating because you see an opportunity uh, that that uh, to make a sale. Too many salespeople, they appear disingenuous, completely inauthentic, and you could tell because there's dribble that comes down the side of their mouth because they could smell a check. <laughs> they could smell a sale. Don't be that person. Yeah. Be human. Desperate desperation reeks. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It just exudes when you're desperate. Listen. It, 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 since we're talking about this, I want to help my friends here, help our folks here on LinkedIn. Yeah. I can always tell the person uh, who is either not disingenuous, but they really are not using tact. And some of you, I'm sure, have experienced this. If you have someone that connects with, and I hope none of you are doing this, they connect with you on LinkedIn with some promise of building relationship, building rapport, whatever they say. 
And the minute you connect with them, it's an immediate solicitation for their service on the first email engagement. Yes. That's salesy. Yes. That, that doesn't really, at least for me, it doesn't really show me that they're really concerned with, hey, let me get to know Jay. Let me get to know a little bit about him. I get it. We're here to do business together, maybe do some collaboration. I get it. But let's build something authentic first. See if we like each other. Yeah. And then we can go from there. But I think too many salespeople go for the juggler uh, right away. And that's the wrong thing to do. And you cannot do that. These This is 2021. Those days are gone. Yes. Yes. The authenticity, genuineness wins. Mm-hmm. Building trust wins. Right? Absolutely. So let's get really tactical now. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go all the way down now to like, what are, what are some of your like tactical tips? If you could maybe give us like five tactical specific kind of sales tips that you would, you would offer our folks. Okay. First, I would tell you is I would share with you is you, you have to understand a little bit of what I talked spoke about with, with safety. Okay. Let me give you five things. And if you can write them down, I'm going to be, this yeah, is all I'm going to put them up on the banner as you go. Very good. Shoot. Okay. <laughs> this is where we live as human beings from a psychological standpoint. If you understand this, you can craft your conversation to appeal to where they already live. They being the people, the, the individual that you're speaking with. I talked about safety, so we're not going to talk about that again. But here's the other ones. People want to have a sense of certainty. Mm. People want to have a sense of stability. Okay. People want to have a sense that they that they mean they they they're validated, that they have meaning, that they are they feel important. Okay. So that comes to the table already. Number one, feeling of safety. Number one, feeling of stability, certainty, and validation. That's important. You have to know that about the person. Listen, we got a big game this Sunday, right? The Chiefs are a die are, are absolutely right now. They are analyzing everything about the uh, uh, Buccaneers and vice versa, right? That's their opponent. Not that your prospect or your person you're helping is your opponent, but you have to know how they operate so that you can craft your message uh, in an appropriate way that helps them. Yeah. And the fifth one is love. Ah. Right? Love is a motivator. Let me edit that. Yes. Love is a motivator, right? So safety, stability, certainty, validation. People walk around with a big sign in their chest that says, make me feel special. Make me feel important. Make me feel like I matter. Say something good to me. Just who we are. It's just who we are. That's first first uh, sales tip. The second thing is you have to understand body language. Mm. I teach a course on body language which is so important because you think that you're you, all taking notes right here. <laughs> right. Okay. Real yeah. quick. So those things, certainty, stability, validation, sense of importance, love. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yes. Next. Sorry, Jay. Well, don't forget about safety in there. Safety is yes, number safety. one. Safety. safety is number one. Safety in there. Mm-hmm. Safety is number one. Okay. By the way, it doesn't matter if you live in New York, Texas, Frisco, Dallas, or in the jungles of Africa in the jungle. It doesn't matter. Those five things, you'll find them wherever you go. That's just who we are. Okay. Body language is important because there is such a um, such an advantage in nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. Nonverbal communication sometimes says more than what comes out of your mouth. Yes. So when you are speaking to someone and your mouth is saying something, but your body is saying something different, that person's going to experience cognitive dissonance and you caused it. <laughs> right. What does so that you, mean? Cognitive, cognitive dissonance. It, 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 it means that what you're saying, they're listening to what you're saying, but internally your body language is saying something different. So they don't know how to process it. They, they get stuck. Or they jump to um, not a conclusion, but they they think they understand what you're saying, but it's not really sitting well with them. So they're never going to make a decision. People that are struggling with it's cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a struggle that's going on up there because, you know, he's saying this. I want to believe that. But this is what I heard. Forget it. No one's make no one makes decisions when you have scrambled eggs um, (laughs) in your brain. Right. No one's going to make a decision like that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. I love these little things. Nobody's going to make a decision when you have scrambled eggs. Now, now watch, watch, how, watch how we, how the, the, the novice person 
doesn't utilize body language. And I've seen this. I've seen this. I've, I've seen people do this on Zooms. I'm trying to communicate that I'm the person who's trustworthy. You should believe uh, what I'm saying. You should go with my advice, whatever it is that you're proposing. And you keep going like this. I'm the best person. You really should have a chance to. When you, if I shut my mouth and go like this, what would you think that I'm saying without my mouth? What am I saying? Yeah. I don't know. You're uncertain. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know. I mean, this is what we do when somebody asks us something. We don't know. I don't know. Wow. So if you're out to catch yourself, watch your shoulders. Because you might be saying, hey, I got a great program, great product. And I tell you what, it's mm. you're, not, you're, you're so all over. subtle. And yet, yeah, we pick up on it, right? Because our sure. eyes are picking up on, on body language. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, there's so many things you can do. I, I mean, there's so many things. you. Can, but body language is important. It, it, it's worthwhile studying it. Just four or five techniques. Believe me, it works. Okay. Awesome. The next sales tip is real quick. Develop patience. Mm. I call it the marinade method. The marinade. You know, when you when you want to have good chicken, you want to cook some, you marinate. Now, when you throw the marinade, do you like dip it in and then put it in the grill? No. You marinate it, you let it sit for a while, let it marinate, get the flavors, right? <laughs> they get all that stuff, good stuff, and then you throw it on the grill, then you cook it, right? I love it. Yes, yes. Marinate it. Marinate Learn the technique of marinade. Sometimes you just got to let it marinate. Yes. And don't try to cook it right away. Okay. Because that's when you actually do become that sales person, that salesy guy. Learn to it's marinate. Like when I have somebody that I talked to maybe three months ago. And then only after like time, they finally decide. And then they reach out again. Correct. They marinated over it. Right? That's right. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to be wise enough to understand or identify rather which particular prospect or client or presentation will require marinating. Mm -hmm. You have to have wisdom to know, okay, this one, this, this one's going to marinate. Let me go on to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you the fourth one. You have to understand the anatomy of rejection. I understand the anatomy of rejection. I give a talk called the anatomy of rejection. Wow. Where does rejection come from? Now, you might give a uh, off the cuff answer. So, well, because they don't like what you propose. Man, it's deeper than that. Understand the anatomy of if you understand where rejection comes from and the anatomy of it. And I've got a video on my YouTube. Do anybody can watch it? Yeah. You'll recognize. Oh, I've been doing that. I've done 90 percent of the things right. But that's one part of the rejection, the anatomy of rejection that I've been doing. Now you can figure out for yourself why you have. Uh, why you've been rejected so much. Okay. The anatomy, understand where rejection comes from. It's worth studying it for five minutes and then working on getting better at it. Don't just take for granted. Well, I didn't, I didn't do well. They didn't accept my offer. I didn't uh, pick up that client and go on to no, no, take, study it out. What's the, why do people, people reject people for reasons. Figure it out. What if you're not self-aware enough to figure it out? Well, then you get some help. Then you call Jay Maine. Then you call Jay Maine. That's all. Great answer, Jay. Great yeah. answer. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so we got the five things that people need to remember. Safety, certainty, stability, validation, love. We got body language. We got to develop patience. Let it marinate. Okay. And then study the rejection, the anatomy of the rejection. Love it. Thank the last you. one is, is critical. You have to know that you know. You have to arrive at a place that you are confident that what you're doing is right. You've got to exude confidence in whatever it is you're proposing. You've got to know that you know that you know that what you're doing is, in, is right for them. And here's why. Vibrationally, people pick up when they sense you're not, you're, you're not giving me the honest truth or there's something else happening. We're vibrational beings. Guys, we are vibrational beings. Yeah. You ever go into a room and, and you like meet energy. Everyone's energy. Energy, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, there's call, it's fine tuning energy. Let me give an example. If you if I want to listen to the radio and I'm going through the channels, I'm I'm actually dialing into frequencies. If I don't like a song that's playing, I'm that's a frequency that with me it didn't resonate with me. So I go to the next one. That's a frequency, I'm a frequency. Well, when we're dealing with another person, that person comes into our, into our um, space, bringing their energy. Those are vibrations. 
And if I've got vibrations that I am not uh, jiving right now, that we're not connecting, we're going to feel a little bit off. You ever go into a room and meet somebody or go somewhere where you meet someone, you don't even know them, but you're like, I don't know about that person. Eh, you yeah. They kind of rub you the wrong way. Or some people immediately you bond with. Yeah. Right? That's because vibrationally you met and you were there and you were in frequency, you were in, in sync. Yeah. Well, if you're proposing something or having a conversation with anybody and trying to make a point, but you're not certain, you're not sure, you're also doubtful about it, they're going to pick up on it because but you it may come out of your mouth, but vibrationally, they're picking up a different message. Make sure that you are authentic, make sure you're confident so it exudes in your vibrational frequency as well. Oh, Jay, this is all so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the hour hey, just flies by. I hope all of oh you. Oh my goodness, it's five o'clock already. <laughs> I hope you all in the audience have been taking notes because this this is golden. I've never heard sales quite talked about like this, Jay. And yet, I think because you tie it to psychology, I I, I feel it. Like I feel the truth of that, um, and 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 it really resonates with me. And I hope it resonates with you all in the audience. Make sure you give Jay like a thumbs up or something. Um, did you guys get value from Jay? Let us know in the comments. I know a lot of you, <laughs> Yolanda was saying, patience is the hardest. Yes. I know, it is. It is. <laughs> yes, Yolanda, yes. Mm -hmm. Amy says, love the imagery of marinating. Yes, so true, so true. Um, and uh, someone says in the, uh, oh, this is Lisette. Um, love this session. Thanks again. Yes, Braden. Thank you. He thanks you as well, Jay. You're this welcome. is really brilliant advice, Jay. Like I, I can't say enough how unique this is. I haven't. I mean, I've had a variety of folks, and I've even taken sales coaching myself. And um, but this is very unique advice. So all of you, if you've only caught bits and pieces of it, make sure you go to my YouTube channel. The replay is immediately available. Just search for Fanny Dunnigan and you'll be able to find this episode as well. Um, but I do want to wrap up real quick with a, so we've done tons of tips for the head, Jay. Mm -hmm. um, why don't we do a little life lesson and quick tip for the heart, what would your heart tip be? That's a great question. Um, let me give you what I what I spoke about yesterday on, on my radio show. Um, and I also just put out a blog on it, not a blog, my newsletter. This Sunday, oh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? And I, whether you, listen, whether you watch football or not, whether you like football or not, it's irrelevant. Just hanging in with me. The, it's the moment. I'm going to watch that game on Sunday. And I was telling this to my, my, my son, my 11-year-old son. There's times that we're, we're, going to, we're going to experience things that we just have to sit back and be grateful and appreciative that we've had the privilege to experience it. This coming Sunday, and by the way, it could be anything. For me, it's, it's one, one, one of them is this coming Sunday's game because it's a big game. Two outstanding quarterbacks, two prior championship quarterback uh, Super Bowl winners. Brady and, and the Mahomes. Uh, it's Brady's 10th Super Bowl game. Uh, a quarterback who's played in three decades. Whether you like the guy or not, that's this not the point. The point is that I'm going to have a chance to watch that game, and I may never, for the rest of my life, have an opportunity to watch something like that. So while I'm enjoying the game, I'm going to be reveling in the fact that I have the opportunity to experience something that there's going to be so many in the future that I never have a chance to experience. There'll be people 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now saying to themselves, boy, I wish I was alive to watch that game. And I can say that I was there. I can say that I experienced it. Now, whether it's a game, whether it's something with your kids, whether it's a promotion, whether it's a business opening, take time to soak in the moment. Because number one, it may never come again. But number two, it's a privilege to be able to say, in the future, because you will, to say, I was there. I was a part of that. I was in the magic. I was in the moment, and I captured it. Mm. Soak in the moment. That's it. Soak there in you the have moment. It. There you have it. Jay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What an amazing 
conversation and insights and advice with you. Um, please stick around. I'm just going to highlight some upcoming events. Um, and then also, how can people reach you? What is the best way for people to reach you? Well, the best way is to reach me at my, my email, which is j at thejmamie.com. You could also reach me through my website, thejmamie.com. It's, uh, you can reach me there through email. LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome, j at djmamie.com. Uh, I think a lot of folks are gonna want some of your training right there right. at Psychology of Sales. My goodness, that's brilliant, just brilliant. Um, so just hang on real quick, Jay, as I announce some of my upcoming events here. Give me one second here. So for those of you out there, um, I will be speaking funny enough, around uh, psychology and marketing, the five stories every venue needs to tell, leveraging Maslow's hierarchy of needs for guest service. I will be speaking at the International Association of Venue Managers. For those of you that are interested in guest experiences, you know, promoting guest experiences, um, join me at Guest X Conference next week. That's the registration link. And it's a very interactive session. Um, I think it's only because it's virtual, it's very affordable. And um, it's a great way to learn about how to leverage psychology and marketing in this case, um, and how to address people's needs around guest experiences and guest service. So there's a registration link. I think Anne is gonna help me put that link in the comments as well. Thank you, Anne. And then for those technologists out there, Steve, I don't know if you're out there, Mike Rochelle, Chuck Vanderweel, uh, the Association of Business Technology Professionals, which I'm on the board of. On the last Thursday of this month, six to eight, we are gonna feature Andy Ivey, CIO of Corolla. And uh, he's gonna talk about reversing the social dilemma. So for those of you out there that are interested in that, it's gonna be very, very interesting. And uh, let me bring back Jay here as we wrap up. So for those of you out there, connect with Jay. Thank you, Jay. And for all of you out there, thank you for joining us on this amazing show, this amazing conversation. I expect all of you to go out and connect with him right now. Make sure you do that and follow him. And uh, you have a, a show, right? Radio show every Sunday. Quick plug for that, Jay. Correct. 11 a.m. Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Central. Uh, you can catch the show either locally at on 570-AM-KLIF, or you can go to klif.com and listen live. If you go to my website, the djmamietalkshow.com, djmamietalkshow.com, you can find all the archived episodes there. We've got great shows, great contact, and some great people as well. Awesome. Thank you, Jay. And for all of you out there, make sure you continue to shine your light, share your message, share your voice, share your gifts and your talents. And if it suits you, share them through video. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jay. Everyone Bye -bye. have a wonderful rest of the week and uh, I'll see you next time.